0: Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings And listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city To encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible
1: Good morning church, welcome to part 2 of our new collection of talks, Fresh Humanity This morning we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 to 23. Um, I'm going to be reading in the NLT and Paul writes and he says this. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms.
0: Amen. Um, what a great portion of scripture. Uh, it's one of those ones you can read and read and read and you'll unpack and you'll come back to. Um, for me, I, I just love all the positions of where Christ is because I know where Christ is affects where I am. And to know that there is a place I can put my life called the body of Christ and the things that come against my life, I can put them under the feet of Christ. That gives me amazing hope today. And, and that's just a little part of what we've just read. And there's so much more. In that, I want to really just focus in on this aspect of fresh humanity. Um, What does that look like? Well, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we have been called together to live an expression of humanity that is to express the character of God and remind people this is the way humanity was meant to live. It's a restoration of what was into what is coming. It's this reality that God can knock down every bridge, knock down every barrier. He can knock down everything that's between us, whatever your background, whatever your color, whatever your story, and bring us together under the banner of Christ as one person, his church, this fresh humanity. And that's what we're looking at. This morning. So I think that's something to get excited about that you and I are part of the fresh humanity, the expression of God on earth. Uh, I want to reframe it because, no, oh, we're the church. That sounds like even when I say that, I, I feel bored. No, but we're a fresh humanity, an expression of God. And so we take that this morning. So when Paul is writing here, no, um, he's reminding us that Jesus is king. He's reminding us that, uh, no, we have nothing to worry about or compare to because, well, Jesus is king. He's all that that's okay. We are who we are. And he makes us into something completely new. He's redefining power. He's redefining hope. He's redefining what it is to be rich. He's redefining all of those things. And that's some of the things that we'll look at and we'll look at over the weeks as we go into Ephesians. This is something we should be excited about because who knows that the current definition of power isn't really helping much. Uh, Who knows that people are looking for hope and in the places they're looking for hope, it isn't really adding up. Who knows that to be rich doesn't mean you are rich. And Jesus comes and redefines all of this. Paul starts with this huge prayer. For, for these people. Uh, and we, we read it. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the people of God, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, our King Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit, the need for the Holy Spirit, to bring us into wisdom and revelation. Paul is praying this amazing prayer. I was thinking to myself, what kind of prayers do I pray for people? You know, when I read this, I was thinking to myself, um, uh, dear Jesus, would you just um, help them? Jesus, would you um, maybe bless them? Um, no, they need a job. So God, would you give them a job? No, Jesus, they're, they're getting a few kickbacks from their teenage kids. God, would you, oh, no, would you help them in that? Would you give them wisdom and, and, and so on? And all those prayers seem, you no, know, fair enough until you read this. And Paul is throwing the whole trinity at these people and saying, I want you to know the unknowable. I, I want, see all these revelations from heaven. I want you to know things that you know, people for generations have, have longed to know. I, I want you to come into it all. And he's praying this huge prayer. And he says, I, I just keep on asking. And what I know about this and about prayer is this, that answered prayer usually follows persistent prayer. No, God is gracious and God is good. And the odd time he gives us one, doesn't he? No, you're going through life and you throw a wee one up into heaven. And we read about these prayers in the Bible and it's like, God, help me now. And God is gracious to go, okay. But most of the time, If you want to see that real prayer, that big prayer, that answer to prayer, it takes a commitment to pray. And Paul is so committed to this church that he is saying, God, I just can't stop praying. That they would know the unknowable, that they would know that Jesus is above all power and all things, that they would know that Jesus is seated at the right hand, that they would know that, that Jesus, everything's under his feet, that they would know they have nothing to worry about. There is a security, there is a place that they can live and know victoriously, and they can just live life to the full. I, I want them to know that. And I just can't stop praying. I want to challenge us to not stop praying but maybe increase the size of our prayers and I definitely need to do that. Now I look at you this morning and I'm looking down and there's a guy here I know called Daniel and Daniel is a great guy and I can pray and say God would you bless Daniel but Daniel I want you to know the unknowable. I, I want the Spirit of God to come with all wisdom and revelation and reveal to you Christ himself and the Father in heaven. You know, can, can you get it? There's something about increasing that expectation and there's something when you pray those prayers that you're aware that God's like, okay, now my church is praying. And so we come and we increase our levels of prayers. Now, I, I've done what Paul doesn't do. Paul... Uh, doesn't jump over thanksgiving and then go straight to prayer, but I did, and I did it to make the point because so often that's what we do, isn't it? No, God, give me this. God, I need this. God, help me with this. And Paul, what Paul does first of all is thank God for people. Thank God for his church. And the first point that I want to put to you this morning is this, that what you're thankful for, you pray for. See, Paul was genuinely thankful for these people. He was genuinely thankful that they lived in such a way that it was an overflow of this fresh humanity, that it was an overflow of what it is to truly be church, that they lived in such a way that Paul's like, I am I, just so overwhelmed that you live that way. I, I just think you're brilliant. I just think the way you do it is so good. I am so proud of you. I, I just... see... If I am thankful for my marriage, I pray for my marriage. If I'm thankful for my kids, I pray for my kids. If I'm thankful for my job, I pray that God will use me in it. If if I'm thankful for my friends, I ask that God would help me to be an influence, a kingdom influence. If I'm thankful, well, let's make it spiritual. If I'm thankful that I'm forgiven, I'll ask God to help me to forgive if I'm truly thankful that God offers grace towards me, I'm going to ask God to help me give grace towards other people because I'm thankful. If I'm not thankful, if I'm like, no, God, I know you show me grace, but I that just take that for granted. I'm not going to show that to nobody else. I, I, I don't ask God to give me grace. If I'm thankful, if you were here last week, if I'm thankful, remember we was sitting in the chairs, if I'm thankful that I am blessed, then I will ask God to make me a blessing. If I'm thankful that I am chosen, I will ask God to make sure that I make all people welcome. If I'm thankful that I'm adopted, I will want to create a secure family in the family of God. If, I, if I'm thankful that I am guaranteed by the Holy Spirit, I, I, I want to ask God to help me to live a confident life, a life that is secure in the things of God. Because I'm thankful for something I pray for it, and perhaps that's a measure. Now, what are you praying for? See, if you're thankful for your church, you pray for your church. If you're thankful for your leaders, you pray for your leaders. If you're thankful for, do you get where I'm going? We, we pray for, and Paul is praying for these people because he cannot stop but being thankful for their reputation. The second thing I want to say is that your reputation and my reputation, our reputation, has an overflow. <laughs> Do you know that? Um, it usually doesn't come out of what you say, it usually comes out of what you throw out. It's the throwaway, usually reveals our hearts. And why is Paul so happy with these guys? Because, well, first of all, he says because they are faithful. They are faithful. You know, it's not good enough to say you have faith and not be faithful. That's, that sounds quite hard, doesn't it? No, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have faith in Jesus Christ. He is my king. Well, that only makes sense when you're faithful to the fact that He is your king. And then Paul goes on and says, You have love for all people, all of God's people. I, I love that reputation. Anybody else want that reputation? You'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? No, Stephen Thompson, he just loves people. That'll do me every day of the week. Now, what about you? No, would you be happy with that? Uh, I just thank God that you love people. What a reputation. Because no matter what you think, no matter what you try to detract from or hide, no matter what you try to portray, your reputation has an overflow it just can't help but flow out so i want us to go to the context of ephesus and you know we're thinking rome we're thinking corinth we're thinking big city we're thinking diversity, you know, you have the Temple of Diana, uh, you have temple prostitutes, you have um, idols, you know, silversmiths making idols, and we read about it in Acts 19, and they're not selling as many idols now because people are common followers of Jesus Christ. You, you have sorcerers who are burning their, their books of sorcery. You have all of these things going on. You've got slaves, you've got politicians, you've got, and loads of these are all becoming Christians. First of all, let's stop. How good is that? No, it was in Ephesus where Paul, remember, he he had his aprons and his handkerchiefs and he handed them off to people and they took them and they got healed and there was these just miracles going on. Now, what a move of God. But many people know that just because God moves doesn't mean God's people accepts the move. Now, unfortunately, I've been in a situation where I've seen people come to faith, but the people of faith have not accepted them don't like where they're coming from, don't like how they smell, don't like the color of their skin, don't like their story. Think of the church of Ephesus. Now this morning I'd like to welcome the temple prostitutes who have came to faith. This morning I'd like to uh, know, welcome our our slaves who are here this morning worshiping Jesus. This morning I, I would like to welcome, oh, I see the, the, the politicians are in this morning and, uh, and I'd just like to welcome And for some reason, every one of them could sit in a place in the body of Christ and know that they are loved. (sighs) Like I I say that and genuinely right now I'm overwhelmed with emotion because that is the church that Jesus Christ died for. Now, we have on the wall here behind us, we have the, um, well, there's a few things going on and aren't there in the world? No, no. Donald Trump has COVID. Some of you may have heard of that. Um, and th- there's division. That's why I mention Donald Trump. Some people see one side, some people see another. There are movements going on, and we see this term, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I'm not talking about a political organization, I'm just making a statement Black Lives Matter. <laughs> We have the dove that's painted on the peace wall between Israel and Palestine by Banksy um, because many of us know that there's a little bit of conflict that goes on in the Middle East sometimes. We have lots of things here, and in society and in culture, there is division. And what Paul is saying is that the overflow that you guys are showing brings everyone together. How good is that? I just can't can't stop thanking God for you. See, is there a hope to all of the brokenness and division in the world? Well, the scriptures would say, yes, it's the church. It's that fresh humanity that lives in a way that shows other people that we can live as one. Where color is not an issue. Where racism is recognized and dealt with and unacceptable. Where we believe that people from any tribe in the world under Christ can become one in the body of Christ. For me, that is church. That is fresh humanity. And that is what Paul celebrates. Now I wanna celebrate you guys because, no, I I don't want you thinking that, no, this is some sort of telling off. No, it's so much, it's so easy to tell people off, isn't it? But Paul, I'm sure, and we know that Ephesus definitely wasn't perfect. (laughs) But Paul chooses in this moment to speak into what they are doing good and so I want to take a moment to thank you if I was writing this letter I'd say I want to thank God for your heart of compassion see this is an overflow situation because God shows you compassion and what some of us in this room a whole lot of us in this room has done is said well God you've given me compassion God would you help me show compassion because what you're thankful for you pray for do do you get the flow do you get the flow And I want to thank you for that. No, this week, uh, Jim, who heads up Compassion Belfast here, uh, he posted the Lord Mayor sent us a certificate because there was a faithful handful of people who in the middle of all of this kept on delivering, kept on getting food to people who were starving, kept on helping and loving and covering bills and just being out there. And even the Lord Mayor recognized their faithfulness. I want to thank God for the people who give generously through a lockdown. When you were unsure of your future, unsure what your job would look like, but you kept on and keep on I want to thank you that I can tell story after story of someone I made contact with and they would say to me, ah, oh, thingy was on the phone and, and they gave me a ring and, and they sent me around some food and they made sure it was okay. And I want to thank you for your love for each other. But what I want to do is highlight that is the church. That is what it truly is to be human. Don't be thinking there's an alternative image. That is humanity. That's how God intended it. Everything else falls short of his standard. So God is good and Paul is thankful. He wants to remind them and he wants them to know about the hope that which they're called to. He wants them to know about this rich inheritance that that is available for them. Uh, he, He wants them to know who they are and what they have. And this power... The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Can I say to you this morning that when Jesus came to die on the cross, he redefined power. Now what do you mean by that? Well, all of those things have been redefined in Christ. What it is to be rich. What it is to have hope. See, power works like this. I have a bigger gun than you. I kill you. I win. That's power. Power, I have more votes than you. Therefore, I get elected. You don't. I get my way. You won't. That's power. Jesus had all of that. And Jesus chose to come to earth as a man and walk among humanity to show us a different way to live, a fresh expression of what humanity should look like. And Jesus, because of love, went to the cross and died for each one of us so that he could unite all the nations and tribes of the world under one expression called the church, or a fresh humanity. And he did it in love. See, if you want to truly understand what power is, It's love. How do I unite races? It's not through telling us we should be united. It's through love. How do you overcome barriers? Through love. How do we get together and be united as one body, the church? It's through love. It's not who has the most. It's not who is the most dominant. Who is the strongest leader in the room? The kingdom of God offers and looks like this. I am powerful because I show love, and Jesus comes and he shares love. I'd mentioned about this inheritance that Jesus gives us, and this is the third point and last point, and we'll bring it round. I love the fact that Jesus shares, uh, and what do you mean by that? And and it sounds almost simplistic. No, well, you see, God didn't send a son to die, to defeat death, defeat sickness, defeat sin, and sit back and go, look, I defeated death, sin, and sickness. He said, I defeated all of this. Now you can have all the benefits. He shares. And if we want to understand what fresh humanity looks like, we sure. It's not good enough for us just to talk about what we have. It has to have an overflow of sharing. It has to come out. You see, again, it comes back to if I'm forgiven, I should forgive. If I have known grace, I should show grace. If I have been blessed, I should be a blessing. If I have, it comes right back to our finances. If I have been given a salary every month, I should want to, with a desiring heart, give a portion of that back so that I can serve others because I've been blessed, therefore I want to be a blessing. Uh, I've been given time, and I want to take some of that time, and I want to use that time in order to serve others and show love. I, I, I want to... To take, it, it's assuring faith. And there's something about the Christian story should just light up hope. I was thinking about this, and you no, know, lots of people make life sound hopeless. You don't have to go too far to be around a few people who, know you could have the best day in the world, and you've just asked them how their day went, and you were so, so- sorry you did it. No, you've been there, haven't you? No, you're like skipping through life. Life's good. No. Oh, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? Well, and you know you don't even have to, and they always use that phrase to cut a long story short, don't they? And the story goes on forever, and you're sitting there, and you're in this moment, and you just know, and it doesn't take you to go too far to find someone who will share that hopelessness. In fact I think in our culture we don't want to share hope because we think we'll be the person who you know sounds like well my life's doing okay and you almost apologize for it. Have you ever felt like that? No. You're in a conversation, you're in a situation and it's like everybody has a negative story and you think oh, well actually uh, I'm all right uh, and, and you just say nothing rather than say something because it Seems like no, who am I to share? But there is a way of sharing hope. I was thinking about this, and recently I went and got some bubble tea with uh, someone, and we were. It, it happens that they sell this tea in a gym, and so I walked into the gym, and there was a guy I know who's one of the personal trainers in the gym, and he sort of looks at me and says, no, what are you doing here? Um, and I'm thinking, is it not obvious? I live in places like this, no. Um, uh, and I say, oh, I'm just meeting someone that gets some bubble tea. And he goes, huh, because he's a machine. No, he's got the big, you no know, damn them things in your neck and all and just eats broccoli and chicken 10 times a day and just, yeah, you know what I'm saying, ripped. And he says, oh, you look like you're here for some bubble tea. Oh, you need to get to the gym. No, no, that sort of. Thing. And that was his method of trying to share hope. You know, trying to motivate me into going to the gym. And to be honest, he had the opposite effect. No, it made me never, man. I, I just never want to see him again in my life. No, just that's, how, that's the effect he had on me. And of course, I'll love him in Jesus because I've been loved and I'll love him. That's, that's the flow. I've been shown grace. I'll show him grace. But in that moment, I'm thinking to myself, huh, the last thing, I'm going to go and get a burger. I'm going to go and get chips. I, I'm going to go via McDonald's, KFC, everywhere else. Because that's the effect you have on my life. And there's a way that some people can motivate you. But then there's... Another friend who, well, she is, through sickness, she put on some weight and she's trying to lose that weight and she's sharing her journey. And honestly, I can't wait to see her next step of her journey because the way she shares it brings hope. The way she inspires, the way she talks, she talks with a humility. She talks with a hope. She talks with a reality. And whenever I listen into her story, I'm like, so, so how do you get this weight off? How, where, where do you go? Because there's a way of spelling hope. Now as Christians, the way is not that we just don't share. <laughs> but we have to find a way that we share not just our words, but our, our heart, our, our something. We need to come with some sort of humility because never before have we been in a time where people need hope. Hope. You know, when I'm talking to people and they're saying their marriage is a mess, so what do I do? Do I apologize that my marriage isn't? But surely I have to be able to tell my story in a way and share my life in a way that can give that person hope that their marriage can turn a corner and they too can have a successful marriage. Surely I can do that. You know, when I speak to someone and they say their parents or their kids are driving them nuts, well, if my kids aren't driving me nuts... Do you like what it did there? It deflected. My kids are perfect in every way. But what do I say if my kids aren't? If I find a grace and a revelation from God that's helping me in my moment, do I just say nothing? Do I apologize that something's going well in my life? Or do I somehow learn to overflow and share a hope that gives them hope? Because I've got a job and someone doesn't. Do I not share the fact that will God give me that job? And there was a time where I wondered where I would get that job. And maybe that's your story and you're getting a place where you're like, and you want to encourage them that God will, uh, he came through for me, he'll come through for you. Is there a way that we can do that without making someone feel guilty? But in a way to bring hope, because that is what Jesus Christ does. And that's what Jesus calls us to with his gospel Ultimately, God has blessed us with transformed lives, been new creations. He's given us a whole lot in some way. We need to share the gospel in a way that shares our lives, that isn't just simply words, but something of our heart overflows, that that person finds hope not just a religion, not just a a belief system, but something of you connects them to the very Jesus who died for you and gave you this life. We have to find a way to share. We have to find a way to overflow. When I think of the humility, uh, it helps me when I think of it like this. If the Queen, no Queen Elizabeth, invited me to come to her palace, and, and well, you get dressed up for the occasion and you go. Um, you have your shoes polished, you're trying to speak you know, your best English and you're, you know, you'll, you'll watch your P's and Q's and you, you know, someone will probably tell you when to buy and when to do whatever and, and you, you'll, everything's in place. But whenever I walk into that palace surrounded by wealth, there is nothing in me will feel like, oh, who's your woman thinks she has shoving all this wealth in my face? I will feel completely privileged and honored to be in her presence. And I think it comes back to this, that King Jesus, it's when we compare with each other, when I remind myself that he has invited me into his palace, into his wealth, and he's not rubbing it in my face. He he is inviting me in. I am so humbled and I am so honored. And maybe if I approached my life and my overflow with the same humility, then I would offer other people hope and not condemnation. Because Jesus has opened up the keys of all of his wealth. And he said, Stephen, (laughs) come on, help yourself. Take it all. There's so much to share. And surely in that humility, if I say to someone else, you know, the king has opened up his reserves, his treasury, his riches and said, Stephen, we, like Stephen, doesn't deserve anything, but he's given me everything. You too can weigh in. Serious. You go in through Jesus and you get all the wealth. Our lives need to find a way to share that hope. I know in a room this size, even with social distancing and limitations, there will be people in this space who will not have been on the end of good news hope, but will have been on the end of good news guilt condemnation and sometimes as followers of Christ we can make people feel like the last thing that they are worthy of is the love of God and the riches of his kingdom that somehow we deserved it but they don't I want to say to you this morning that Jesus Christ is King. All of us are all about rubbish in the light of King Jesus. He is the King, and we have the honour and privilege to be invited into His kingdom. How good is that? That that (laughs) that's it. That's brilliant. (laughs) And He opens up His wealth and says, "It's your inheritance." I want to thank God for you. We're going to pray together and in a moment we're going to have communion together. And when we come to communion, it, it, it has this sense of, it's the, it's the lesson that reminds us, you know, Jesus took his, took bread and broke it and says, this is my body broken for me so I can stand in heaven and look and say, look what we did, look what we got through here. God, Father, we made some moves, didn't we? We defeated the devil, we defeated evil, we defeated death. No, no, it says, this is my body broken for you. Well, sure, sure in my victory, sure in what I have I have done. How, how good is that? This is my cup of my new covenant. I, I'm going to keep you. Uh, I, I'm going to never turn my back on you. Uh, see all the stuff that I've done. It's so that I can have you. You're my inheritance. Oh, how good that? Like Jesus thinks, like he has won the jackpot because he has us. Like honestly. But before that, can I ask us, We're just going to ask you to close your eyes a moment. And it's not the sound churchy. It's just to try and take some of the distractions away. So Jesus came to redefine power. I wrote these words. He didn't flex his muscles. He revealed his heart. And I don't know what your understanding of Jesus is. I don't know what your experience of church is. I I really don't know. (laughs) But I know this. My experience of Jesus is that every day he reminds me, not how powerful he is, but how loving he is. Every day he reminds me how forgiving he is. How gracious he is. How kind he is. How long-suffering he is. (laughs) I just how abundant he is and all of his goodness and riches every day is he all powerful absolutely but that's the that's the one isn't it that all powerful God is all that and so I I I want to invite you where you are at um to reconnect with the God of all power or sorry the God of all love And perhaps in this moment, as we come to have communion together, I want to remind you that Jesus died for you and for us. Not to make us guilty, but to give us hope. And I have been in church services and people have made me feel so guilty about that fact. But no, Jesus didn't do it to make me feel guilty. He he did it to make me feel loved. You are loved and you can be forgiven. And when you are forgiven, new humanity, you forgive. So we're going to sing together and. Um, as we come to sing, I uh, know we're going to, I think there'll be room there for people to give their offering this morning, and so I encourage you to do that. But as we come to sing, I, I just want to pray for all of us, um, and I want you to invite this prayer yourself. Now, what I mean by that will echo some of the thoughts that I'm praying into your world and into your life. I just simply pray And I thank you, Father, for knocking down all walls so that we can come together as one, your body in Christ as the head. But, Father, I ask that we would not be the children that hold on to our toys. So that we can make all our children feel like they have they haven't got as good a toys. <laughs> but we would be children so grateful and so humble at everything that our Father has given us. We would just have to share. And that would be an expression our fresh humanity Jesus. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at Belfast.